In today's video, we're going to meet a freelance editor in the first episode of Meet the Freelancer. Coming up! Hello and welcome back to the Freelanceverse. This is the first episode of Meet the Freelancer. This is a show I wanted to do on this channel uh, on which I interview or have a discussion with fellow freelance colleagues just to know a bit about their profession, what they do in their daily lives, how they got there. So if there are people watching that would like to pursue a career in this specific uh, job that this person does, that they have some info about how to get there, what, what paths to take to make it as a freelancer in this specific sector. Today we are having a chat with Marike Kreinen. She's a freelance editor coming from the Netherlands, but she's editing uh, in English. She specialized in academia because that's also her background. But enough said, let's go straight into the conversation with Marike. So we are joined by Marike Kreinen for the first episode of Meet the Freelancer. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, do you want to just start and tell us a little bit about what you do as a freelancer? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm an academic copy editor. So that means that I work mostly with academic texts like theses, PhD theses, um, monographs, you know, books, articles for journals. Um, so the client sends me their manuscript and I basically make sure that the language is correct and consistent and accurate and that the document is complete and that everything is formatted the way that it should be. So that's what I do. You do this in English, right? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I do the occasional thing in Dutch, but most of it is in English. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, Dutch is your native language. Yeah. Okay, cool. And how did you begin doing this? Like, how did you come to that? Well, I was in academia, so I basically did a PhD uh, for a few years. And after that, I did a postdoc. Uh, but as, as many people know, the academic job market isn't very great. And, um, you know, there is a lot of stress and pressure um, in the academic job market, but also in the work itself. And for me, I just felt that, you know, I would rather do something else. Um, so I started to explore options. And at the end, I decided that I wanted to become a, a full-time editor of academic text. So I'm still sort of connected to academia, but mm -hmm. I'm just, um, I retrained myself as an editor. Okay, that's cool. So you still have the experience of coming from academia, so people really yeah. trust your judgment, I guess. You've, yeah, it you've helps. Written a, a yeah. lot of papers. <laughs> yeah, because they know what I know what it's supposed to look like, and they know that I have a PhD, so that helps a lot. I think mm -hmm. uh, I still needed to learn a lot because editing is not the same as as writing, and you know there were so many things I didn't know. So I took a number of courses, um, online editing courses. Okay. to retrain myself uh, to become an editor so i uh, i know what i'm doing as an editor and not just uh you know what i think it should look like as an academic so that that helps for sure of course yeah you, you started retraining yourself while you were still in academia or how, how was your switch um, no i was i had already left uh it kind of like overlapped with me starting so what I did at first um, when I started was that I, I sent an email, you know, just asking people if they have things for me to look at. And um, I worked at somewhat lower rates for that so that I would get a bit more experience. Um, mm -hmm. And then I also started taking courses 
So it was a bit simultaneous. Um, the first yeah, people you reached out to were just people from your network? Yeah, so yeah. what I did, and this is also you know, how I recommend you know, people go about getting new clients, it's I just, I sent an email. Um, I, it took a few months, but first I just asked around like if people had things for me to look at. And once I had a website and I built a website and I had a bit more training, I sent an email to like everyone I knew in my network, like everybody. I just sent this general email and I said, well, this is what I do now, you know? So if you have really? something or if you know anyone, if you're interested, this is my website. This is, you know, has my services and rates on it. Um, so that's basically what I did. Yeah. Okay. That's quite a big step. I can imagine to like people know you in a different way and then you approach yeah. them as kind of a supplier. So how, did you have yeah. any hesitant? Was it a bit weird to contact them or um, no problem? People knew that I was going to leave. Like a lot okay. of people did and the reaction was quite positive. Uh, people were quite happy you know, to find out that I was doing this. Um, I think also because I was already always looking at other people's work while I was still in academia, just because they knew that, um, that I could give them feedback on the language and that I could edit it for them. So I, I was already doing that. So they kind of like already knew me in that uh, capacity. So I think, yeah, the reactions were quite so. positive and I, I wasn't so hesitant about it because People knew that that I wanted to do something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips for maybe people who would like to be an editor? Maybe they don't have an academic background. Is there another way in? Do you have any ideas? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't think it's necessary to have a PhD to become an editor of academic texts, but you definitely need to have some editing training. And I think you know there's many online courses. I'm taking. Uh, I'm completing a certificate this year at uh, Queen's University in Canada. So this is online uh, coursework, mm -hmm. uh, but there are so many other programs uh, at other universities. Um, I can maybe, you know, send you something so you can look at it. Yeah, but, uh, cool. or can add it to it. the description. Yeah, precisely. There are many editing programs. Um, I also joined a professional association, which I can really recommend. Okay. You have the uh, start that, to start with, the Chartered Institute for Editing and Proofreading has like an entry-level membership. So if you're new, you can become a member. And then if you're a member, you can go to conferences, you can take courses, you know. Okay. Uh, it costs money, but it's like an investment in your business, I think. And you can get training and experience there. They have a mentorship program, so you can find a mentor there. Too. Oh, nice. Um, and other associations have such things as well. So there's a number of... Uh, editing association so i definitely recommend that you know as a way of like getting experience or training and also as a way to network with your colleagues because that's very important because colleagues can also refer work to you if they are too busy and they know that this is your field they will sometimes send the clients to you you know that can happen as well yeah By colleagues you mean other freelance editors Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what helps a lot is if, if you make yourself known, if you become a member of associations, if you mingle with them, if you network with them, because also it's just, it's a lot of fun and you make friends and, you know, you have some colleagues and it's very nice in and of itself, but it can also help you uh, 
get your name out there more i think so that's really uh, otherwise of course you can also go once you have some training you can go to like events where your clients hang out um this can also be on social media, like certain groups for academic writers, for example, in this case. Um, you could go to a conference where you know that your clients are. You can leave your business cards for them. You know, you can do all these kinds of things. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's important to be present in the spaces, whether they are digital or real, where your clients are. I think that's, that's a really useful tip that I heard from another editor at a conference a session on marketing. Uh, where you know she said that it's very important to be in the spaces where your clients are but also to have good relations with your network yeah definitely yeah because that's kind of a point that every freelancer has that you are your own marketing person your own salesperson right so it's it's important that you get out there if you just for me with my profession I could just stay at home and work individually but yeah it doesn't really get you further you need to yeah, expand your network. That's also part of the reason why I started this channel, right? Just to build a community. And yeah. with, with connections, you always get a step further, I, th- I feel like. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. yeah. So is there like a specific difference? Or of course, it's different to be employed or being a freelancer. But what's, what does it really mean to be a freelancer for you? Would you describe yourself as a proper freelancer? Yeah, although they say you should describe yourself as a business owner, but yeah, I am exactly. a freelancer, you know. Because <laughs> <Okay>. yeah, <laughs> some people business. don't like the term, right? So. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really mind, but I, I can see why it's useful to describe yourself like that in general, because some clients may not take it as seriously if you say freelancer, but for me, it's not a problem because it means freedom, you know, like you're free. And that's for me the biggest difference, like, when I was an academic, I was also free to come to the office or not, you know, to work at home or not. Um, the freedoms were in that, in that sense the same, but of course my entire employment was in the hands of the job market, which was terrible, you know? So for me, the biggest advantage and biggest difference is that you are, as a freelancer, you know that you will get work. Okay, fine. You don't always know that you will get work, but you know, if things go well, you can generally assume that, you know, you're going to, you're going to have work and it doesn't matter where you live and it doesn't matter like, you know, whether you work at home or somewhere else. So this freedom to work from anywhere and to know that uh, work is coming and that, you know, you don't have to go onto this job market again. That's for me really uh, uh, the biggest advantage, I think. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting that you say that because I hear from many people that are employed and I talk to them about freelancing, they say that they couldn't deal with the uncertainty of yeah. not having work, right? You never know if there will be work and you say it's the opposite. Like you- yeah, I don't, well, yeah, I mean, I, I know that this can happen and, you know, I've had months where I didn't have much work and, but the moment I start to worry, I start to have too much work again. So, okay. um, <laughs> so of course, I mean, I'm saying this now, things can happen. But I'm not worried about not having work. And I I don't think, I think it's very possible to be a freelancer and to have a sustainable business and to not have this like famine, you know, feast or famine cycle. Um, I think it's definitely very possible. And there are so many, you know, 
courses and, and coaches and, you know, business coaches. There's a podcast called uh, Deliberate Freelancer, which is very useful for this. Nice. Okay. Uh, there is uh, the Edit Boost community uh, by uh, Maline De Devadas. She, she actually is a coach now. So she's coaching other editors to change their business mindset and to, you know, charge what they need to charge in order to have a sustainable business and, you know, um, to, to provide the services that, that they want to provide. Um, so there's a lot of things that you can do in order to, to build a sustainable business, or at least there's a lot to learn about this. I will add all these links that you mentioned in the description yes, if people will, want to uh, check it out. Very yeah. useful. Um, what else? Is there something that you wish you knew before you started? Maybe a challenge that you didn't expect, something very difficult? I was thinking about this, you know. Um, what I did when I decided to open my business <laughs> is uh, that I actually moved back in with my father for six months. Mm -hmm. So I know not everyone can do this. Uh, it's kind of like a privileged thing to be able to do this, but you know, this helped me a lot because of course, in the beginning, you don't make as much money. Um, what I wish I would have known, well, I mean, I think I wish I would have known more about professional associations and training before I started, because in the beginning, I didn't know so much about it. And I learned so much from it. And it was, you know, it was so useful for getting me started and also um, speeding up my work or, you know, making, making it more systematic. Um, mm -hmm. and also, yeah, how quickly it's, it was, it became sustainable because in the beginning, for example, I signed up to these marketplace websites and I actually paid quite a bit for one of them and it didn't really pay off, you know? Okay. So when did you I start? Known, uh, it was, um, I mean, one website is, uh, is still going strong, but the one, it was like freelancer.nl. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's fine. I get work through there every once in a while. But in the beginning, I was so desperate that I was convinced to pay like 150 euros for like a, a full listing or something like that. And it wasn't worth it, you know. So yeah. I wish I would have known more about how to actually market your business and, you know, the role of referrals and how important it is to, to get training and referrals and to, to just show yourself as a professional more than please help give me work you know absolutely um, yeah so, i mentioned this in a previous yeah. video that it's really you're, you're basically competing with the whole world that's sitting at home thinking yeah. i can do translation or editing right yeah you need to make it a yeah. career and it's very different yeah but yeah there are a lot of these pages as well for translation so everyone who's starting out will end up on these which is fine as well you need you need to make it is also yeah right Exactly. That's why at first I did work for lower rates for people that I knew, mm -hmm. um, which was another way of doing that. But um, yeah, I, I can see why, why people do it and I would definitely not be against it, but just know that like, you're not gonna, you know, you don't have to be dependent on those things. You can, you can build a sustainable business. So Absolutely, if I would yeah. have known that I would have been, you know, even I would have been more confident, I guess, and less stressed out about it. Um, are there any like, prerequisites to join these um, organizations, these associations? No, uh, they have different standards. So um, let's take the Chartered Institute, the CIEP in the UK as an example. It's, it's a worldwide organization, so you, everyone can become a member. Uh, they have different grades of membership. So 
you start out as an entry-level member and then you need to gain points. How do you get points? By uh, work experience, so amount of hours worked. So they, you know, you send them an overview of how many hours you've worked um, and for which clients. So it's all very confidential, but they just, you know, they want to see what you've done. And uh, training points. So every course that you take, they have a number of points. And then um, there are references that you can get um, depending on which grade of membership you're applying to. Um, so clients or publishers uh, can give references for you. There's a test you can do to get more points. So if you pass the test, you get more points. And then if you have enough points, you can apply to the next uh, level okay. of membership. Okay. And only when you've reached the level of professional member can you have an entry in the directory. So, so not everyone can profile themselves on the website, but everyone can become a member. Um, but if you don't upgrade as an entry level member, if you don't upgrade within, I believe, six years, they will kick you out. So okay, okay. no, they don't accept you to just hang around and pretend to be like an editor when you're actually not. So that's not really possible. Um, it depends on the organization. Um, you know, other associations, you can become a member and uh, that's it. It's so just about it, paying then. Yeah. When you talk to a new client, you mention these associations or it's not really for the client side, it's more for you? Yeah, I mean, it's on my website and on my okay. CV and um, generally when they write to me, I don't tell them. Mm -hmm. But if, if they want to know more, it's definitely in the, the, you know, about me section on my website. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, all your links or your websites uh, that you want to mention in the description, you can also let me know so people can yeah. check you out. Yeah. If anyone has a thesis yeah. for you, they can oh dear. contact you. <laughs> I don't have time until like October. <laughs> oh, wow, okay, that's a good sign. I know, it's wow. great, but it's also all like I feel bad sometimes, you know. <laughs> you have to say no to people. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, better than fun. the other way around, for sure. Yeah. Okay, and the last question that I will ask yeah. all of the guests that are on here. Are you happy with your decision? of Absolutely. <laughs> you are? Nice. Oh, yeah. I never look back, you know. Um, I wasn't happy in my previous career, and I am happy in this career. And, you know, it's great to hang out with all these word nerds and, you know, um, ask, like, silly questions in our editing Facebook groups and stuff like that. So... I'm having a really good time and I really enjoy the profession and you know, you never stop learning in this one. It's uh, it's the language is always changing, you know, so it's, it's just, it never gets boring. So I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite pleased. Yes. Very nice. Well, thank you very much. It was very insightful. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, yeah, as always with my videos, if you decide to, if you want to translate them into your native language, you can just add subtitles in the right corner and translate it into your language. And I will write in the description that you did that. And thanks for watching and see you next time. Bye bye.